Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices Talk News Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The reasonable voice joining us today is Triana Arnold James, who is a candidate running to be Georgia's state senator from District 30. Triana James is a former candidate for lieutenant governor and an equal rights amendment advocate who says she's ready to serve and ready to lead. Members of the Georgia State Senate serve two-year terms and are not subject to term limits. Georgia legislators assume office the second Monday in January, and our guest today, candidate Triana Arnold-James, is running to replace the incumbent Republican Mike Dugan, who ran unopposed, and thus not unsurprisingly was elected state senator from Georgia's 30th district on November 6, 2018. Triana Arnold-James is a community leader, a business owner, a mother, and a wife, and a veteran. Welcome to the show, Triana. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm I'm so glad to have you because I've had the opportunity to watch you on video at campaign rallies and so forth, and I've been very impressed not only with what you had to say, but the way you said it. So my first question, if you don't mind, Triana, is how does one bridge the gap between we the people and our government? Well, first of all, we need to put the people back in we the people. Uh. And once we're able to put the people, you know, because a lot of the, especially with this administration and with the things that's going on in Georgia, it seems to have forgotten about the people. Mm. And I want to put the people back in we the people. And so that's the first step. The next thing is we need to recognize the, the issues that we, the people, have, the, the kitchen table topics that we sit around and talk about, those that are affecting our lives on a day-to-day basis. And then once we recognize those things, then we're able to, to make decisions and laws that will benefit the people and not the pocket. Very good. You know, I wonder, I mean, I know that with the possible exception of 
Elizabeth Warren and, and now others seem to be joining her in this. And I'm in the media, so I, I'm, I try not to be guilty of this, but certainly politicians and the media are focused on, uh, oh, a half a dozen topics that they talk about incessantly all day long. And most of them don't really reach the kinds of things I, I heard you talk about in your video and what I think you're alluding to in your answer here. So do we first have to, well, I guess maybe that's why you're running. If we elect people like you that realize we need to be speaking to the people and listening to the people, then we'll solve the problem. Do you have any ideas of how in a Georgia legislature, how can you get your comrades there to see that you need to be talking about bread and butter issues and health care and job security and, and, you know, income equality, et cetera. How do you do that? Right. Well, it starts with me. Uh-huh. Yeah, it starts with someone willing to step up and speak out as well as speak truth to power. I served over 20 years in the United States Army, active duty and reserve, and I'm not intimidated by anybody, mm. regardless if you are Republican, Independent, or Democrat. One of the issues that I talk about is campaign finance reform. Mm-hmm. There are elected officials that are making decisions based on the pocket and not based on the people. So if someone gives you a $10,000 campaign contribution, then you're making decisions based on this special interest mm-hmm. and not based on what the people are saying, what the people on the ground are saying. You need to be with the people. You need to get down and listen to what, and that's what I intend on speaking about on a day-to-day basis. I will have an open-door policy. People can come into my office. You know, it's, it's crazy being at the state capitol uh, on a day-to-day basis and you're running around like a chicken with a head cut off. And so you need to, you know, if you need to come in my office and kick your shoes off, then feel free to come in. I will have that open-door policy where you can come in, recharge your battery, recharge your phone, you know, get mm-hmm. something to eat. And then if you want to meet with me, I plan on meeting with constituents at least once every day, mm. if that is possible. But I don't plan on just sitting in my office. I don't plan on going to all of these parties and things like that, that that shows you're, you know, you're with the lawmakers. I want to be with the people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I intend on doing. Like I said, it starts with me. If not me, then who? Exactly. What, or who, uh, inspired you to run for office in Georgia at this moment in our national history? You know, what we're going through, I mean, I know you're a Georgia resident, and and maybe that's the simple answer, but I think it's more to it, having, again, as I said, listened to a number of your speeches. What made that you just go, man, I've got to do this, and I've got to do it now? Well, as I always say, I've always been a community leader. Mm-hmm. I've always been to the community, been been going to the community and doing things for the community because I believe that the community is who we are. You know, I didn't have a fancy background and and all of that stuff. You know, I've always been and my grandmother has always been about the community. Mm-hmm. And so in starting there, um, I believe this is my 23rd year mm-hmm. of partnering with Marines Torch for Tots. I think I'm the longest serving agency, I believe, with the Marines Torch for Tots. 
And the Boys and Girls Club, I was the president of the Parent Association. My husband started a not-for-profit organization mentoring young men, Mm. uh, following young men from from pre-K to graduate school. And so when in doing that for so long, and then one of my best friends had passed away because of she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Mm. And it wasn't just the cervical cancer because that is preventable. Mm-hmm. Everything is not 100% preventable, but it, it is preventable. Mm-hmm. And so learning what she was going through and looking at the fact that Georgia did not expand Medicaid mm-hmm. when we could have, we could have expanded Medicaid. And, she, and, and I am a child God. And I believe that God doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, but I do believe that her life could have been prolonged had we done things to put things in place, such as expanding Medicaid. She would have gotten an early night diagnosis. She would have gotten proper care. Mm-hmm. So I got mad, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> yes. And, and going down and talking to legislators at the state capitol, and it was like hitting my head up against a brick wall. Yes. And and I, I, I got I got angry. I got mad about that because I'm like, I can't understand it why you are a lawmaker, but you're not doing anything that could help save lives. Mm-hmm. And excuse my, you know, my drive in this because I'm passionate about it. And I get, I still get angry. It's still a sore spot for me. But I dried up my tears. I turned my pain into purpose. Mm-hmm. And I started advocating for Medicaid expansion here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And nobody was listening. Nobody was listening. And so I said, enough is enough. Yes. I need to do something. And so I, I put my hat in the ring. I stepped out on faith and, and uh, put my hat in the ring for a lieutenant governor. Um, I garnered within 10% of the 10 points of, of getting the nomination. Mm. And so I, after that, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm just going to advocate. And people right. said, no, you need to get out there. You need to be a lawmaker. And so that's why I continue to on to campaigning and thank, going around the state of Georgia, uh, thanking everybody for their vote and their support, as well as their donations. Mm-hmm. And then we put a poll out there, and the poll, the majority came back with Senate. And so, and it was important for us to put a poll out there and hear from the people because we wanted to know what the people thought, where I should go, mm-hmm. where, where, what should be my next step. And people said, you need to be in the Senate. We need to flip the Senate and we need people like you in the Senate. That's going to make a difference in our lives. And so that's why I continue to run. And that's why I continue to fight. Wow. You know, I'm, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy listening to you because clearly you are a woman of and for the people. My next question was to go to health care, and you jumped right in on Medicaid, but what what is the current state government, Georgia's state government position on Medicare? And, and for that matter, about Medicare for all and health care as a human right. How about that? Well, there are, there are some people in the state of Georgia that don't believe that we should have a single-payer system. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think that we should have is a Medicare for All program, mm. whereas I don't want people to lose their private insurance because people need to have a choice. Yes. And so there are some people that want 
uh, some legislators that want a Medicare for all system, mm-hmm. but not a program. And a program whereas you have the choice to choose between whether you want that single payer system or you want to keep your private insurance. Mm-hmm. Because most people have had their private insurance for years and don't want to give it up. Yes. And it's good, it's working for them. So if it's not broken, you know, why do we try to fix it? But what we need to do is fix the issues that's going on in the Affordable Care Act. Yes. And and making sure that there are over 300,000 Georgians right now, and the number is growing, mm-hmm. um, that are uninsured. You know, there are veterans that are suffering. Yes. And, and so, you know, they we did, in Georgia, they passed a, a Medicaid waiver this year, but it doesn't go far enough to cover the uninsured. Mm. So I think that we need to, to explore it a little bit more. I'm glad that they, the Republicans did something. Yes. Okay. I'm glad that they did something, but they, it, it doesn't go far enough. What is the, you, I know you've, you've said this and we do have to go to break in a bit, but affordable health care as a human right. Can you tell us, it seems to me, and, I, and I'm sure, having you know, heard your views before, that this is a given. Affordable health care is a human right. What's the resistance in Georgia, as it is in other states, it's not just Georgia, but you're, you, you've planted your flag in Georgia, and that's where you're doing your fight for this. But tell us, what, what do you say to people who can't just naturally accept that affordable health care is a human right. What do you say? Say to them is why not? Mm. Why not? Why is it that we have, we we don't have uh, or don't have the attitude of health care being a, a human right? Mm. There are people dying daily because they can't afford their medication. There are some people that are trying to decide between food and medication or gas and medication or going to work uh, uh, versus going to work sick versus staying at home and taking care of themselves to get well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people tell me, Triana, you need to get rest. You need to make sure that you need to take your, your, your vitamins and things like that because we need you. We need you. You, you, we need you to be healthy. We need you to be out there. So you to fight for people that can't get out there. Mm. And 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 I say, like, why not? Why is it that we can't? And it's so simple. Healthcare. Yes. Give it to it. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that we can't do that? Why is it that 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 we can't afford? Or you say that we can't afford to cover veterans and the, and the homeless and children and women why why and and one of the pushbacks and oh my gosh i i just fell on the floor huh? when when i started advocating for medicaid expansion it was money it's going to cost too much hmm. and the, the governor at the time nathan deal is the one that said that to me it's going to cost too much and i said well what does my life cost hmm. Mm-hmm. What does what is what does my life cost? What does it cost for me to die rather than to live? Mm-hmm. And what so about that? The... Was, well, that's been the biggest thing, you know. Is, is the paperwork is going to cost too much money? Oh my god! Really? Really? Gee. Uh, yeah. Yes. It makes me angry. 
Well, I think it should. I think it should make you angry. It makes me angry too. We're going to talk about your equal rights amendment advocacy in the next segment, and we're going to go on with every everything we want to talk about because this conversation is incredible. Stay with us, everyone. Our reasonable voice guest today is Triana James, who is running for the Georgia State Senate. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is fascinating. And now enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio News Program. Our Reasonable Voice today is Triana Arnold James. Uh, Triana, we've been talking a lot about health care in the last segment. I want to remind everyone that Triana Arnold James is a community leader, a business owner, a mother, a wife, and a veteran. And in all of those capacities she's taking with her on the road to campaign to be a part of her state government, the state of Georgia. So, Triana, I've heard you refer to yourself as an angry black woman. As such, how do you feel about the new bans on abortion in a number of states? Well, well, let me tell you a little bit of history about, just real quickly about history about the angry black woman. Okay. When. On the campaign trail, when I was running for lieutenant governor, someone had made that comment mm. that, you know, I am a woman of color, mm. and they said that you are, you know, that she's an angry black woman. Yes. And so I took it back. Instead of you writing the narrative, writing my narrative, mm-hmm. I'm going to write the narrative. Mm-hmm. And and so it, I turned it around to a positive rather than a negative. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and people could YouTube the angry black woman, and that's why I took the name back. You want to call me angry? Well, here's why I'm angry, and I go into the reasons why sure. that I'm angry. But the abortion ban bill, that was one of the reasons. That was the, I wouldn't say one of the, I would say the last wind that pushed me over the cliff. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I have to do this. 
because the abortion ban bills that's happening all across the country is one is a caveat to overturning Roe versus Wade. Yes. And two, uh, it's going to vastly affect women of color and low income women. Mm-hmm. Three, the main importantly, more importantly, it's taking away my choice. Is my choice? Is my body? Is my business? Mm-hmm. And no one has a right to take away uh, my choice whether I want to have an abortion or not. Now, I'm not out promoting abortions. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. What I am saying is don't take away my choice if I decide to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And, the, and there are men that are uh, telling women what they can and cannot do with their body. And I say, if, you know, if you don't have a vagina, you don't need to be making decisions about mine. <laughs> and and if you can't, you know, and there was one elected officials trying to tell us the difference between the 21-day cycle and the 28-day cycle. So after he came off the, he was talking at the at the well at the state capitol, mm-hmm. and when he came off the stand, I wanted to ask him, when the last time That's you had a cycle? Yes. Is there any chance that you might be pregnant? You know, so how is it that you want to educate me about a 21-day, the difference between a 21-day cycle and a 28-day cycle. And you have no earthly idea mm. of what I go through on a monthly basis. Yes. And and so that just really made me more angry. <laughs> well, I can... Um, I, and, but yeah. I think that it's just, it's, it's just giving them the opportunity to have power. Yes, um, that's the word. And, yes. Um, uh, and control. And, and I, I love men. You know, my husband and I just celebrated, you know, 20 years. We're on our 20th year. And so it's not a dig at men. Mm-hmm. But, but but men have been trying to get back control since Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time for, us to, for you to have a seat and say, I cannot control her body. And give me the opportunity to make decisions about what's going on with my body. It's my body. It's my choice. And whatever I decide is between me, my Lord, and my family. Yes. Well, you know, uh, and well said, I I often tell people, because I get asked this question because I am a man, and I'm Roman Catholic. I don't favor or even agree with abortions. I can believe what I believe, but it is not mm-hmm. my right, uh, morally, uh, intellectually, and, or religiously, it is not my right to impose that belief on anyone else. And there it is. And to your second of many points, maybe, <laughs> but another point you made in, in that, which all are valid and wonderful, is that um, we are in a time when it is, it is the power for, for me. When I see this argument, it is your right Yes, there are many people going after Roe versus Wade. That's true. But I think even more than Roe versus Wade, it is about regaining a power that is perceived to have been lost somehow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the last 30 years. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you are running. I'm glad someone like you with your knowledge and experience and community involvement and being a veteran, I'm a veteran, and I, I do think uh, veterans, no matter where they serve or how they serve, do come with a different perspective about the red, white, yeah. and blue. Okay, yeah. uh, enough of me. Equal Rights I Amendment. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> the Equal Rights Amendment. This is another thing that, for me, 
I, I attended a, a general assembly a, a session, and then outside there were women gathered. A man attended who was a member of the assembly, and he said, no man is going to give you equal rights. You are going to have to take it. And and the women have been fighting for equal rights since since the beginning because they've never been in the Constitution. How can we possibly get income parity for women and equality as a citizen if it, we don't have it in the Constitution? What are your thoughts? Right. Well, it's high time that we put women in the Constitution. The only thing that, that's guaranteed to women in the Constitution is the 19th Amendment giving us the right to vote. Yes. And, and we have been fighting forever since 1923 when Alice Paul introduced the equal the wording for the Equal Rights Amendment. We have been fighting for that. We are actually one state away. We have to have 38 states yes. and we have 37. Um, thank God for Nevada and Illinois. Yes. yes. And there are people in session now such as in North Carolina and then working on Virginia and of course Georgia because I want my state to make history yes. and be the 38th state. But, but we need the Equal Rights Amendment, one, to make sure that we have equal pay for equal work. Yes. A lot of times, a lot of women are not being paid what they're worth. And mm. we're doing all the work. Yes. And we're being paid less than our counterparts for doing the same job, you know, but we're working more hours. We're having to balance family, church, business and jobs, mm -hmm. and, and, and we're not being paid what our worth is. And so once we put the Equal Rights Amendment, once the Equal Rights Amendment is ratified, yes. then the, these abortion ban bills would not be able to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, people discriminating against you because you are a woman and you're being paid. If you look at your pay stubs as a woman, I'm yes. talking to the women out there, yes. if you look at your pay stubs, or, or better yet, if your company publishes salaries online, yes. you will see, I guarantee you, you're being paid less than your counterpart. Yes. And that should not be happening. We need to ratify once and for all. We need to remove the deadline so that once we get that 38 state, there won't be any obstacles that will make sure that it goes to hopefully the new president's debt. And uh, because we know this administration is not, it's anti-woman. Mm -hmm. yes. It's just, it, it is what it is. They don't care about women in rural Georgia, rural areas, and, it, and the working middle class. They, don't, they just don't care. It's plain and simple. They just don't care. And so we, we are working and advocating to make sure that, that once and for all, women have that protection as everyone else. Yes. We don't want, we, we're not asserting our rights in order to take away your rights. Exactly. We just want equality. Mm -hmm. And that's guaranteed to us by the Constitution. Excellent. All right. So another thing in which we agree, teachers, you know, in other countries, I know because I've worked in other countries and lived in other countries, teachers are revered. And, and not just in a, a paycheck, but they are revered because of what they do for not only the children, but then by extension for the culture, for the society. And yet here in, in America, 
teachers are, are like second-class citizens, and of course most teachers are female, at least in public school systems. Why is that, and what can you do about it? Uh, I love my teachers. Uh-huh. My husband and I, between my husband and I, we have raised 12, eight boys and four girls. And at any given day, there was an average of maybe four to six teachers per child. Mm. And I kept in communication. And the wonderful thing about my stand is I got the opportunity to speak to some teachers at the South Carolina Democratic Convention. Mm. And I had expressed to them how much I feel that teachers not only need a raise, but they need a livable wage. Mm-hmm. And, and and we need to make sure that those that, that our teachers, especially here in Georgia, in rural areas, yes. are compensated for the work that they're doing. And I posed the question to them. I said, did you all know, if you look at the time, did you know that you spend more time with my child than I do? Because by the time they get home and off the bus and I get home and cook dinner, it's only two hours by the time it's time for them to take a bath and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, I'm running around, running errands. And on Sundays, I'm, you know, we're in church and things like that. So the teachers spend more time. And so I think that we need to value our teachers, yes. not only because of the time that they invest, but the money that they invest. Did you know that they can only claim $250 of the money that they spend yearly on on classroom supplies? Really? They can only claim $250 on their tax return. And that is awful. So what I would like to do as a state legislator is I would like to put on a credit, a state credit, because, you know, it's we, we'll work on federal, but we're talking about on the state level, mm-hmm. they can receive at least a thousand or more dollars to, as a state refundable credit on their taxes every year. Mm. And that way, that will put money back in their pocket for the money that they spend out. And if there's no value that you can put on what they do for our children. However, let's give them a little bit more in their pocket. Let's give them a livable wage, mm-hmm. okay? And then let's also give them a state tax, state tax refundable credit, and not just a credit that they could, you know, claim and and uh, you know help with their liability on their taxes, but something to put in their pocket. Yes, that's what I would like to do because I value. Um, our teachers, I think that they do a tremendous job, and they are helping. Uh, when you're in partnership between the legislators, between the parent and the teacher, and you create that that village, that partnership, mm-hmm. it creates better better children, and then children feel that they have they have a chance yes. um, for future. The other thing that that I want to talk about just real quickly in our district, we're going to overpopulate by 2030. What I what I have um, looking at and meeting with the current legislators and the current uh, city uh, elected official is what what are we preparing? Uh, how, how are we preparing for that? You know, because classrooms will be, you know, we want to keep smaller classrooms. Yes. So what are we doing to make sure that when we're overpopulated in our district? Okay, what are we doing to make sure that we have uh, smaller classrooms? Yes. And are we even thinking about it? Are we even talking about it? 
even we the people, let alone the people right. we elect. Exactly. Well, we're talking about it now because I've called a couple of people out on it. Okay. So, <laughs> I will speak truth to power. I have no problem. You know, <laughs> I, I, know I know when I hear that, I, I wonder about, you know, I know a lot of state legislators personally, as well as those who've been on the show. And I always ask them this, so I'm going to ask you, when you are a member of a state legislature, because you sort of touched on this when you said, well, we're working on the federal, but you have to start with the state, I think, and that's absolutely true. If all the state legislatures were working on certain things, it's easier to work from that level to the federal level than if you just, everything you throw at the feet of the federal government, and of course when it's run by acting heads of things, you know, who, who who have no interest in the thing they're acting at. But my question is, to get to it, is uh, do issues for you running for a, the state legislature in Georgia, if, to be a state senator in a state of Georgia, how do you, do you get questions, do you get involved in at all with Puerto Rico? I mean, most Americans don't even know Puerto Rico is a part of America. I mean, the president doesn't. How 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 about the uh, you know migrant children being uh, kept in cages? How do these things? How do you impact on these things as a member of a state legislature? And how do they should they well, impact on a state legislature? You go. Well, well, well. One, we need to bring awareness. One of the things that that I have done, and my husband always he's like, oh my gosh, here she go again. Um, <laughs> I've traveled. Of the border and in fact I was one of the first as a community leader travel to the border mm. uh, in McAllen Texas well you know my southern accent I was calling it McAllen but when I got there they corrected me and they said no it's McAllen but I'm from Georgia so it was McAllen to me <laughs> so they said no it's McAllen so when I traveled and I got the opportunity to speak at the border it was eye-opening, mm. and, you know, I cried every day. Mm. I cried every day that I was there, and it, it saddens me that those things were happening, and one of the things that I did was I, tr- I, I, uh, I followed a van. There was a young, uh, some young people, well, I would say young, um, it, you know, it was a group of people that came to the border, and yeah. they said, we're seeking asylum which is legal yes. here in the United States. Yes. They put young men in handcuffs. Oh, God. Okay? Put them in a van, took them to this building, fingerprinted them, took pictures of them, and then put them to in, a, in another place and separated them. They separated the girls, the boys, and the parents. Mm. And the parents, women went one place, and the parents, father went another place and then and so I lost track of the parents but I kept on with the children mm-hmm. and they took the children to a old uh, used to be a, a Walmart warehouse uh-huh. and they, they took them there and it got barricades and everything and so they wouldn't let me go back but I followed this van from point from the time they picked them up and put them in handcuffs which was really sad mm-hmm. to the time that they dropped them off, and it was about midnight by the time they got them to this other warehouse-like facility. Mm-hmm. And 
And so, and I made a, uh, I brought, I made a video and I made, brought awareness. And I said, okay, you all see this mm. and I, I'm here. And, and so what are you going to do about it? Yes. And so then everybody started talking about, okay, what's going on at the, at the uh, border. But one of the things that I really wanted to, to, to bring awareness to with the girls, everybody was showing the boys. Uh-huh. Here are the boys, the boys. But what about the girls? Where uh-huh. are the girls? And I started a hashtag, where are the girls? Uh-huh. And I wanted to know what are they doing. And so I, I found about six young women that traveled, that walked, hitchhiked, caught rides, everything that they could from Ecuador oh. to the United States. Uh-huh. And so I followed them and I, I I whispered to them because I, you know, I didn't want to you know, the police was there and everything. Yes. And I whispered to them, I said, are you okay? And the girls just nodded, you know, like we're okay kind of thing. And so I found out that they were taking them to Boston, Massachusetts. So you need to tell me that these girls are separated from their parents. They travel from Ecuador and you're taking them to Boston, Massachusetts, away from anything that they are familiar with and family. They have no family in Boston. And that that broke my heart. Yes. And so so things like that, um, and bringing that aware, the awareness to my state and to my state legislature to ask them what they're doing. Puerto Rico is still without running electricity and running water and bringing on, talking about the travesty that's going on there, that's still going on there yes. to this day. Yes. And as well as making it a, a voting state where they can vote. Mm-hmm. They, you know, because I think that would make a big difference um, with people helping if the people of Puerto Rico are able to vote in our elections. Yes. Um, uh, Flint, Michigan. I, I, I just, California, I've just been all over because I want to bring awareness and then I want to bring it back to my state and say, hey, what can we do as the state of Georgia to help uh, these people? Because they're going to come to Georgia too. Yes. They're going to come, they're going to go to work, they want to have need housing and education and things like that. So what are we doing, number one, to be prepared and what are we doing to help them? Exactly. And I think bringing awareness and letting people know, as I always say, being boots on the ground, being all hands on deck yes. to let people know. Yes. And then, you know, and then doing something about it. Doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Not just talking about it, yes. but doing something. Okay. We're going to have to run Triana Arnold James. Let's talk about how people can find out more about you on social media, on your website, and how they can make donations and and how they can follow what you're saying. So let's start with uh, your website. My website is triana4georgia.com. triana4georgia.com. You can go on my website, sign up to volunteer. Whether, no matter where you are, you could phone bank, you can spread the word, and also make donations. So we need volunteers and we need donations. As well as you could find out more about me and all the things that I, more than what we talked about today. Mm-hmm. And so that's the website. On so on all social media, I am Triana the number four Georgia. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Triana the number four Georgia. Excellent. On all social media platforms. 
Excellent. That's T-R-I-A-N-A, the number four, Georgia. Okay. Uh, do you have an email address you want to share? or The email address, you can email us at campaign oh. at trianaforgeorgia.com. There you go. Triana, this has been an absolute joy. This is of great value, and I hope uh, and wish you all the very best in what you're trying to do in Georgia, and that people all over the country will will follow your example. How's that? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Triana. Bye now, and all the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hello, I'm Michael Tiffany, producer of Midnight Madness Radio. And if you would like to hear some of the latest rock and metal music, some of which has not even been released to the public yet, then tune in to Midnight Madness Radio. Midnight Madness Radio is on Digital Revolution Radio, Saturdays, 12 to 4 a.m. Central Time, and is available on Radio Shaker and Live 365. We are also on LA Rocks Radio, Tuesdays, 1 to 5 p.m. Central Time, and Pure Rock Radio, Saturdays, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Central Time. And is on Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitchers, and more. I am committed to bringing you some of the best hard rock and metal music from today's up-and-coming bands and giving those bands a chance to shine for music fans worldwide. So join us on Midnight Madness Radio each week for great entertainment. You can find Midnight Madness Radio on Facebook. And check out our website at midnightmadnessrocks.webs.com. You can contact me at midnightmadnessrocks at gmail.com. So feel free to email me. We would love to hear from you. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Can we please get real about our reality show security risk president? If half of our current U.S. Congress can't recall where it buried our constitutional remedy for removing a malice aforethought administration, then recognizing our current homeland security risk as much domestic as foreign, let's update our Senate on our raison d'etre, with the freedom needed for a land of the free, resurrecting the political courage, if not patriotism, to justify our home of the brave mantle. America has never been a perfect people's nation, but there have been periods and presidents who try to make us a work in progress filled with promised ideals and global Good Samaritan goals. However, keeping an exceptional democratic republic is a delicate operation, which when delivered into the hands of men like Paul Wolfowitz and John Bolton, Dick Cheney and Mike Pence, and Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, becomes a regime of deaf lawmakers, dumb media, and blind citizens caging, neglecting, raping, and torturing children. Yes, we all know Iran excels more as a bad actor than even our current pretend government of Trump's hired lobbyists acting out as federal agency department heads. Reality check. 1. We need more than one presidential election victory of rational liberal reasoning to purge America of what some Americans elected to bestow on the rest of us. 2. Wake up. 
The Trump administration was the first to violate our 2015 Iran nuclear deal. And remember, in 1988, an American missile cruiser shot down an Iranian passenger plane, killing 290 people, as opposed to an unmanned drone. And every time a police officer shoots an unarmed person of color, the truth about American exceptionalism is too often we elect welfare queen racism and sexism. Three, still in 2019, we keep women in their second-class citizenship place. Four, in the 21st century, we express love thy neighbor as thyself by refusing service to those with alternative love preferences. Five, electing Barack Obama is not reparations for McConnell's we-paid-for sin of slavery. Arguably, the lesson of our World War II to Trump experiences is our democratic republic is currently sandwiched between humanity's past attempts at world conquest through the annihilation of human life and human decency, and to our left, a rebirth of freedom for an all-inclusive American dream, perhaps beginning in 2020, a future where humankind's humane humanity permeates through all human beings, reinvigorated with the wisdom of loving-kindness harmoniously requited to all. Listen, vegging out on media hyperbole addicts us to hypnotic headlines and prophecies from self-fulfilling talking heads infected with afterglow belief in current White House occupiers' assessment that Americans are so mesmerized by sound bites, repetitious declarative simple sentences, casting conservative anchors as sages, we won't notice Hannity Manafort texts and census question bigotry. Know this. Gerrymandering is racial profiling. McConnell's refusing election protection Senate debate is red mapping. And what Trump and ICE are doing to migrant children and refugee families profanes every promise America has ever made to the world and to ourselves. However, there is an alternative to illicit marriage between increasing income gap, bias against LGBTQ Americans, and conjugal visits between church, state, and K Street waiting for us in the voting booth. It's not just our increasing incivility, but that we are arguing about the wrong things. To feel reassured in our comfort zones, we too often opt for naming things, labeling places, categorizing people, but there is no national security for anyone in selectively projecting defensive tags on our history or even on our anti-constitution president while sacrificing our children on the altar of crude. Consider this ABC. A. If we blacked out Obama from Biden's resume, would segregationists never called me boy, always called me son, work for you? B. Giving tacit consent to an executive branch filled with acting cabinet agency heads, aren't we complicit in the grim reapers transforming our democracy into a demagogue's dictatorship? C. Which is better for our children's future? Wild-cat-exiling USDA scientists to Kansas to gaslight an inconvenient truth or knowledge. We simply cannot allow oil wars in cyberspace and grids to blind us to domestic discriminations in mass political rallies too reminiscent of 1930s and 1940s Europe. We can no longer ignore homes without broadband internet, schools without new updated textbooks, and women denied affordable health care. No, not all evangelicals are hypocrites. Not all Caucasian males, sexists raping our children's future for profit. And not all of America's electoral problems are Russian. 
However, if we don't have a clear vision of who we will be after Trump Pence, be assured John Mercer's Kellyanne Conway and Mitch McConnell do. America's oath of office affirms the primary responsibility of those we elect is to preserve, protect, and defend we the people from all enemies foreign, like Russian hackers, and domestic, like the money changers of fossil fuels. So if we believe a child shall lead them, why re-elect an administration who cages and abuses children? Better we preserve, protect, and defend children from Trump's fake government and conservatives' AR-15 reality. Listen, this is the moment. America is in a state of emergency, at the intersection of pass or fail, with this choice, truth or consequences. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.